Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. We are in John, the Gospel of John. We're going through the entire Gospel of John verse by verse. And the tagline that defines everything that we're studying in the the Gospel of John is that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow our heads before you. We ask that you continue to bless this church. Lord, you position us in a way so we can share our faith with others. I pray that we can continue to learn more about your truth and apply your truth to our lives. We pray for the unrest in the world. We pray for the peace that is only achieved through Jesus. We pray for the unity that is only achieved through Jesus. Use us, Lord, to share that message with others. We pray all of this in the name of Christ himself. Amen. Well, you're looking at a picture of a grave, and I'm sure hopeful that some of you hope that this is not your grave someday. But this grave actually has an interesting story. This is actually in Hanover, Germany. That's the location of the grave and what you're looking at. And if you notice, there's a tree growing right there where the grave is. That is a huge piece of marble and granite and a tree has sprung up and lifted the marble and granite up. Now, here's what's interesting about this grave. The grave itself was specifically strapped down with steel straps at the request of the woman who's actually buried at this grave site at this very location. And the reason why this was done is because the lady herself did not believe that there was ever going to be a resurrection of the dead. This was her way, her insurance policy of making sure that she would never be resurrected. She even had the marble inscribed to read this. It says... This burial place must never be opened. This request was to ensure that she couldn't be resurrected, even if she were so happened to be in a resurrection that we know should be inevitable. And as you can tell from the image, her insurance policy did not actually work. The marble didn't work, the heavy granite didn't work, and the steel straps didn't work because along the way, somehow, some way, there was a crack in the foundation and a seed fell into that crack and you see the rest. It sprung into a tree, the tree grew, and it lifted that gravesite right up off the ground. Brothers and sisters, See, the seed grew into a tree, and this is nothing more than a reminder that nothing, absolutely nothing, can stop God from doing what He has promised to do. This is a small reminder. I mean, obviously, we we could say that, you know, 
a grave made of granite, a grave made of marble, and you could put down steel straps. That won't stop the Lord because we know that He's capable of far more, but allow this to just be nothing more than just a small reminder that nothing can stop God from doing what it is that He has promised to do. And He definitely will not stop from what He has promised in one day calling all of us, all of us, from the grave, whether it's cremation or if it's burial at sea or somehow you just find yourself being an astronaut and you get sucked into space's vacuum, we will all be resurrected from the grave. Nothing will prevent us from hearing Jesus because that's exactly what's going to happen. Nothing will prevent us from hearing the voice of Jesus, not even our graves. Therefore, it shall be known there are then two types of resurrections, because I've said all of us are going to be resurrected. All of us will, but there's actually two different types of resurrection. Resurrection unto eternal life and resurrection unto judgment. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning. When Jesus' voice is heard. When Jesus' voice is heard. We're going to be in the Gospel of John, as we've already stated previously. We're looking at chapter 5, verses 25 through 29. But before we get into our text, we must remember that last week we learned some objective truth. Not subjective but objective truth. And this came from our sermon last week, Jesus equals God. We realize that He equals God in person. He equals God in works. He equals God in power. And Jesus equals God in honor and glory. Today, we're going to discuss what happens when the dead hear Jesus' voice. The good news is that those who have faith in Him and hear His voice will partake in the resurrection of life. Now, if there's good news, there's always some bad news associated with the good news and vice versa. The bad news is that those who hear the voice of Jesus and do not have faith in Him will partake in the resurrection of judgment. So today, we're going to recognize three things from our text. We're going to realize the who, the how, and the why of our resurrection. So let's go ahead and get into our text. John chapter 5, verses 25 through 29. Truly, truly, I say to you, a time is coming and even now has arrived when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in Himself, so He gave to the Son also to have life in Himself. For just as the Father has life in Himself, so He gave to the Son also to have life in Himself. And He gave Him authority to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for at a time is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice, and He will come out those who did the good deeds to resurrection of life, those who committed the bad deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Amen. As we look to come up with a main idea from these verses, it's very simple and it looks just like this. 
Our main idea this morning states, Jesus is the one and only source of life. Jesus is the one and only source of life. Now, we've already established the good and bad news. That's already been established. Again, when the dead hear Jesus' voice, the good news is that those who hear His voice and have faith in Him will partake in the resurrection of life. The bad news is those who hear His voice but do not recognize His voice because they do not know Him, do not have saving faith in Him, will receive the resurrection of judgment. The idea of bodily resurrection, though, is actually nothing new. Actually, we must remember that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice because he had faith that God would resurrect his son even if he sacrificed him for the Lord. Also, we look to Daniel. Let's go to Daniel really quick before we get into our verses again. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, it says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake these to everlasting life, but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Paul also preaches the resurrection of the dead. In Acts chapter 23, verse 6, Paul writes, But Paul, perceiving that one group were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, began crying out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of a Pharisee. I am on trial for the hope and resurrection of the dead. And finally, again, Paul writes about the resurrection of the dead in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 and 21. But the fact is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man death came, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. This is not a new concept in Scripture. It's not new because it comes from Jesus himself. We have other verses, Old Testament before Jesus makes this prediction, this prophecy right here in John. We have verses backing it up afterwards. So let's go ahead and look at these verses this morning and see what we got. And we're going to start with verses 25 and 26. And again, we can't forget, today we're looking at the who, the how, and the why of our future resurrection. So therefore, let's begin with the who. What does it say here? It says, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. When the dead will hear the voice. I didn't know dead men could hear, but obviously Jesus is telling us otherwise. And we must understand that this resurrection that's being talked about by Jesus himself is actually futuristic. This is a future resurrection that happens. Now, what does it say? And how do we know that this is true? We know that this is true because Jesus himself says a time is coming. However, what Jesus, and what does he mean when he says, and even now has arrived? Because if he says a time is coming, but he's also saying, and a time has now arrived, what does he actually mean by that? If we know that our resurrection is future in nature, what is he talking about when he says, but a time has now arrived for this resurrection? Well, we're going to go ahead and go to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1, and then verses 5 and verses 6 to realize what he's saying. Let's allow Paul's words in Ephesians to describe this, where he writes, And you were dead in your offenses and sins 
Even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So as we go back to verses 25 and 26, we understand that this is the resurrection that now has arrived. There is a resurrection that has arrived now, but I'm going to be upfront with you. Not all of us have experienced this resurrection. I've already stated that we will all experience resurrection at some point. It's either or. Either you will experience the resurrection into eternal life or you will experience the resurrection of judgment. But there's another resurrection that's being talked about now that's already happening that Jesus is actually referring to, but it doesn't pertain to all of us. And that's actually a sad reality. So remember that that has been stated as you hear what you're about ready to hear in the rest of these verses this morning. We understand that this is the resurrection that now has arrived because we've been made spiritually alive together with Christ. So Jesus is talking about the resurrection that's happening now is the resurrection of those who have been made spiritually alive in Jesus. See, it's our sinfulness that made us spiritually dead to begin with. We were separated from God, and just as Jesus was made alive through resurrection, we too are spiritually resurrection as a gift freely given through grace by faith. So for those of us who understand that our faith in Jesus is by the grace of God, or we could actually say our faith in Jesus is attributed to the gift of of faith given to us freely by God, those of us who understand that we are so sinful that there is absolutely nothing that we could ever do to earn God's favor. There is absolutely nothing that we could ever do. No amount of good could ever save us. Those of us who understand that we were born separated from God, born spiritually dead, and we need to receive this gift of faith and believe in Jesus... We are the ones who have been spiritually resurrected now. Now, we're still talking about two more resurrections. We're still talking about resurrection of the judgment and resurrection of eternal life. Therefore, we've been raised up with Him and seated with Him in the heavenly places. Those of us who have saving faith in Jesus have been raised up with Him and seated with Him in the heavenly places places. This spiritual truth is the guarantee of our future bodily resurrection because that's still yet to come. We've been spiritually resurrected. We have new life as the Bible tells us in Corinthians. But we still eagerly await a bodily resurrection. I don't know about you, but some of you will really relate with this. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? Now, those of you that will relate to what I'm about ready to say is in a certain age demographic. Some of you who won't relate what I'm about ready to say are in another age demographic. But I clearly remember playing sports with men who were older, and they would always say to me, like, you just wait, you just wait. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? Just wait. I'm always going to be ready to go. I can tell you right now, I'm in my early 40s. 
I'll be 42 coming up in February. I now know what those men were talking about. Recovery just doesn't quite kick in, if at all. So some of you younger ones out there, trust me, there will be a point in your life where you will be looking forward to your future bodily resurrection. So just remember, there's two. There's two. There's, there's actually, you know, we've already stated the one for eternal life and the one for judgment. The bodily, bodily resurrection for eternal life is actually us receiving a body that's fit for that life. And then the one for judgment, it's a body resurrected fit for judgment. So I think I'll take the former over the latter. But unfortunately, there is no spiritual res resurrection for the unsaved. That's actually what's unfortunate. So if you're, you're sitting here today, or if you know anyone in your life who doesn't believe in Christ and have saving faith in Him, they will be resurrected, but they just won't be resurrected spiritually. Because, again, they were already born spiritually dead. Their resurrection is futuristic too. However, it's a physical resurrection only. The unsaved are actually quite the opposite because of what we just said. They're spiritually dead. So they're dead in what? What, what did we see here in, in Ephesians? They're dead in their offenses. They're dead in their sins. Which is why they walk according to the ways of this world. So far, we've already heard a little bit about the who of the resurrection. Now let's hear a little bit of the why of the resurrection and where it's revealed. And it's revealed right here where it says, those who hear will what? Live. God has provided abundant, everlasting life to those who hear His voice. But, but here, here's the caveat. You can't just hear His voice. He has provided abundant, everlasting life to those who hear His voice, but then respond. And you have to have faith in Christ in order to respond. And we see this in John chapter 10, verse 27, where Jesus says, My sheep will hear My voice. I know them, and they follow Me. Now, I just want to make this quick side note really quick. Because I would hate to share that verse and not make this one note. As we continue with our advancement in technology, just remember, it's going to be increasingly difficult to determine what's truth and what's a lie, what's fake and what's real. But just trust that if you are a child of God, this verse right here, John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. If you know the Lord, no one will fool you because we are sheep following the good shepherd. They hear his voice and respond because they've been made, as it says here, spiritually alive with Christ. The spiritually dead, simply as we've already stated, cannot respond because they are just that. They are spiritually dead. And I just think of that old, poor woman in Hanover, Germany. You know, she requested that that marble and granite be fastened with steel straps over that gravesite. And little did she know what a falling seed in a crack in the foundation could do. Because even a simple tree could uplift that marble and granite grave. Little did she know that everyone will eventually hear the voice of 
Jesus. It's just that not everyone will respond. So far, we've recognized some of the who and some of the why, and we're going to be weaving in and out of that as we continue here. Well, we, we now need to recognize the first how behind spiritual and bodily resurrection. Verse 26 gives us this answer. So he gave to the Son also to life in himself. See, only a holy and perfect God can possess eternal life. Jesus is not some mere administrator of eternal life. As God, He is the embodiment of eternal life itself. In our first sermon in the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, verse 4, our very first sermon, we must remember that it said, In Him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. Therefore, Jesus is the how. He's the power behind this resurrection that we're talking about this morning because He has possessed life from all eternity. Jesus is the creator, sustainer of the creation in which we live, and He's possessed this eternal life since before He created and began to sustain life itself. Even though He limited Himself as man, He never relinquished His power to give life. So as we continue to move on to verses 27 and 29, again, we recognize the who, why, and how of the resurrection. Jesus, therefore, as we see, has the authority to execute judgment because only He is qualified to do so. Though He was tempted, His qualification comes because He still remained sinless. This alone has qualified Him to execute Judgment Again, we recognize the who of the resurrection at the end of verse 28 where it says, when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice. Just like our woman in Hanover, Germany. I think she's probably going to hear it a little bit better now because of, you know, the granite and marble is now lifted up. But trust me, she was going to hear it anyway. It didn't matter what she tried to do. There was nothing that she was going to do to stop it. So whether you have saving faith or not, you will be resurrected from the grave. I'm going to say that one more time. Whether you have saving faith in Jesus or not, you will be resurrected from the grave. There's nothing that you can do to prevent your resurrection from happening. Again, this resurrection that we're talking about is bodily. Again, this resurrection that we're talking about is futuristic. Until then, the righteous, those with saving faith, will go to be with Jesus in heaven. And that's the difference. Now, however, we must recognize the opposite is true for the unsaved because if those who have saving faith in Jesus, when they die, they will go to be with Christ, then we have to ask, where do the unsaved go? We get our answer from Luke chapter 16, verses 22 through 23. And actually, really what's being said here before I read it is that they will actually be tormented in Hades. Luke records, Now it happened that the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's arms, and the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades he raised his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his arms. I don't want to be in that position, would you? You want to be in a place of torment? 
I mean, I already know what it's like to have a physical body that's scarred, battered, and bruised. It takes longer for it to heal and recover than what it used to. I can already sense that my body's just breaking down. It's breaking down because I was born spiritually dead. I've been made new. Now I have this new spiritual resurrection in Jesus. The Holy Spirit resides within me. But I still feel the aches and pains of this body that's been tormented by sin. We all feel that, don't we? Would you want to feel that for all of eternity? Or do you want to receive a new resurrected body that is tailor-made and perfected for your eternal life to come? I don't know about you, but I'm going to take a new model. I'll trade this model in for a new one. So let's go back to verses 27 through 29. Brothers and sisters, clearly, again, there are two resurrections Clearly, the resurrection of life and the resurrection of judgment. Those who are saved will be resurrected at His coming. So our physical bodily resurrection of those who are saved, when Jesus returns, that's when we will be resurrected physically and bodily. This means all believers from the beginning of the church until the rapture will be saved. Or be resurrected, shall I say, not saved. Those who are saved from that time period, will be resurrected. Whereas the unsaved, those who are not saved, they won't be resurrected until the end of the millennial kingdom. So you still have a rapture, you still have the millennial kingdom, and then you have their resurrection. See, we get resurrected in our new bodies to come back and reign on the new heavens and new earth someday, but until then, we still have new bodies to reign alongside Jesus in that millennial kingdom. Kingdom. That's going to be amazing to be in a body that hasn't ever experienced a sinful behavior. Not one of us knows what that feels like. Not one of us. I mean, I even think it's amazing sometimes, and, and, and trust me, I want to just I'm going to go on another side note, I'm not going to try to go down a rabbit trail, but I see all the time, even with, with people who protest at abortion clinics, like I, I think that there's a, a lot of good that can come from that if it's done appropriately. Definitely we, we have our stance with that type of situation. But, but here's the thing. They will put on their poster that the innocence of the baby, but babies aren't innocent. None of us are. We're, we're born into sin. Sin passes through the seed. So even the youngest of the young, even those who are unborn, have already started their journey in their physical body of understanding or learning to understand what it's like to live in a body that actually has been plagued by sin. The resurrection of life and the resurrection of judgment, those who are saved will be resurrected at His coming. This means all believers from the beginning of that church age until the rapture. And that's what we cannot forget. We need to continue to understand that there is opportunity for us in that time period to share our faith with others, to be used by the Lord for Him to build His kingdom. Because at the end of the day, Jesus will not return until the last person saved that He knows is going to get saved. He won't come before somebody has an opportunity to be saved. Now, we recognize the why again here at the end of verse 29 where it says, those who did good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed the bad deeds to a resurrection of judgment. 
So as we continue to break this down and Joe comes up and joins me in verse 29, this does not promote works-based salvation. That's not what's being said here. Rather, it's our works that verify our salvation. Because we do good deeds, we do them because we know that we are saved. This is because salvation can only be the work of God. Salvation is not our work. It is the work of God. So good deeds are the effect of salvation. They are not the cause of salvation. We cannot emphasize enough the importance of the resurrection of life then. Because in fact, our entire faith is based on it. Our entire faith is based on the fact that we have hope of a future spiritual, uh, or, or actually shall I say a current spiritual resurrection in a future bodily resurrection. So as we close, allow me to verify this. And we see this in Paul's writing in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, where he writes, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. So really, when we break all of this down, there's really only two questions that we need to be asking of ourselves this morning from these verses in John chapter 5, verses 25 through 29. Two questions. If Jesus were to return within the next hour, if Jesus were to come back within this next hour, for yourself, ask yourself this personally. Would you anticipate a resurrection of life? Or should you be anticipating a resurrection of judgment? If you want to participate in the resurrection of life because you know that you were born into a resurrection of judgment, then just remember our main idea this morning. Jesus is the only source of life. Not the only, but the one and only source of life. He is the way he is the truth. He is the life. And nobody comes to the Father unless it's through Him. Two questions. Are you anticipating a resurrection of life or a resurrection of judgment? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word and the encouragement that it brings, even with chaos and conflict, good times, bad times, no matter what it is that we experience in life, nothing gives us hope outside of Your Word. Our prayer is to continue to grow in Your good news so we can be able to share Your good news, to grow in Your good news so we can be used to contrast the good 
news against the bad. We have this opportunity for all Jesus and what he's done. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.